Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome back to Clarity, where we discuss the ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. And today we're going to be talking about two deeply connected ideas, love and oneness, as we continue our series, our little mini-series here, where we're talking about freedom, Mm -hmm. this idea of living a free and abundant life, and that being the framework by which we look at our relationship with God, our relationship in this world, and uh, yeah, a big thing that's really shaped how we think and live, uh, especially in the time between not last podcast, but the previous podcast, that big gap, something that's been on our hearts and lives. There's been a big, yes, that's true. There's been a a big gap. And um, I think that it is a mini series. And at the same time, it's a part of clarity at this point, you know, like there's no, once you get to experience freedom, once you get to experience the reality of a God of abundance, um, there is no way you can go back, right? There is no way you can go back. And and as we explained last week, um, that's the basis of our conversations. And today's conversation, as you mentioned, Rich, is connected with this uh, two big ideas, two big concepts that I feel we've been talking about it uh, a few days ago. I feel that they're really foundational in our experience, in our identity, more than just uh, your religion more than just uh, spiritual beliefs. I feel that it affects uh, and shapes how you think, how you live. And this is clarity and that's what we do. So uh, it's kind of aligned with our our values (laughs) and our goals of the podcast. Absolutely. So let's uh, get into it today. Maybe we'll digress in illustrations. Um, I know today I'm going to play some disc golf and then get some Panera after this. You preached this past Sabbath in the church. Yes, yes. I I was a guest speaker because I'm not the usual speaker uh, for the Elevate uh, service. It's also more than a service. It's a movement here in Keene, Texas, uh, led by Pastor Michael Gibson. Michael, if you're listening, your shirt looks great. And uh, it's an inside joke. Inside joke. And... Um, it was a beautiful experience just to share. We're going through the life of Elisha and uh, the radical faith and the experience of abundance. And I like I like talking about those concepts. My my heart kind of like uh, gets in fire, you know, passionate about it. And, and it was a good weekend, really busy, but good. Uh, how about yours, Rich? Um, let's see. So we have here in Western North Carolina, we have the North Carolina State Mountain Fair. Mm. which um, happens for about a week and not this Friday, but last Friday I helped at the booth. And then yesterday I was helping at the booth for from one to four and met some cool people there, got to have some cool conversations, learn how to make some balloon animals um, that kids love to receive, um, eat too much fried fair food because um, <laughs> I was hungry and that's all there was. Um, is it yeah. true that fair fries are the best? Cassie used to tell me fair fries are the best fries. There was a time I thought checkers fries were the best fries because I remember them being very good from childhood. Okay. And then I got some the a few years ago and I just was like, okay, disgusting, like too greasy. And then like, cause I like a seasoned fry. I got the curly fries I got yesterday were pretty darn delicious, pretty darn delicious. But I, I am also partial to a Chick-fil-A waffle fry. 
they're good. They're awesome. The, the thing is, like, I guess nostalgia sometimes uh, tricks yes. us into believing that those were good. Because a few years ago, we were to a fair with Cassie and say, like, well, uh, fair fries are the best fries of the world. And I remember mm -hmm. when I was a kid, blah, blah, blah. We got the fair fries and they were so greasy. No salty at all. And it's like, okay, nostalgia can be a, a bad, uh, a, a, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> about eight. I don't know. I had a similar thing with Friendly's. Uh, Friendly's mm. is a restaurant chain that is pretty dominant or was dominant in my childhood um, in Long Island, New York. And they had one right in our town and that'd be our treat to go there sometimes. And basically, I think they started as just like an ice cream parlor that eventually started to have restaurants too. And then the kids menu they'd have, you know, as these Sundays were like, one was like a monster where he was like green and he had like, it was a face. The ice cream was a face, you know, and mm. we had all the different characters and all mm. that. And early, they were one of the first restaurants we ever had access to that had veggie burgers. And so we'd go there. And so when we saw that there was a friendlies in Myrtle beach and my family, me and my wife's families were doing a vacation there. I was like, we have to go to friendlies. And we went and. It wasn't that good. It was, it was, it was not that good. It was underwhelming. All right. Um, thankfully, like, oh. thankfully, uh, speaking, uh, moving away from disappointments, uh, our God does not disappoint. No, right? he does not. And, and it's funny. I said we were heading into it and not digress and I led yeah. us into a digression. No, but that's all right. It's that's all right, and we're going now. Uh, and and speaking about the the basis of our experience as Christians uh, that are living in in this aspect of freedom, mm -hmm. and and the beautiful part of knowing something that we've heard so many times, but uh, not often we get to uh, embrace it and and put it as a reality in our lives, and that is the statement: God is love. Because 100% of the Christians, I believe, they will say God is love. Mm -hmm. And and today we're going to go deeper into that statement and, and, and I guess try to find it the meaning that will give you this um, freedom to the point that it, it, God is love does not become the word that you use because you have to say something. But God is love is literally you making a statement of what he did is doing in your lives and what he is doing in the world. Yeah. So today we're going to attempt to share with you this idea that, and the ideas that help, will help you understand, hopefully in a similar way or hopefully a greater way than we've come to understand that the love of God is not just a filler word. It's not just a filler phrase, but it's a foundational, meaningful concept. And the we've we found a direct correlation with our ability to find meaning and beauty in mm. this truth between that and the joy we're facing in our Christian life, the abundance we're experiencing. Mm. So to give some foundation for this understanding of love, let's look at the role of love, the role of God's love in scripture as shown in second Corinthians five, uh, 14 and 15 mm. here in his extended argument is extended discussion with the church in Corinth, the second letter that we've seen um, that we have record of here in his conversation with that church. Paul writes, for the love of Christ controls us. Mm. Having, and I believe this is the NASB, having yep. concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live 
would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. So his love is the inspiring. His love is here, and his love, if we see it properly, it would, it would show. If that we're going to live no longer for ourselves, but for him who did this loving thing for us, that his actions, the love shown in his action would be the motivating factor. So love isn't just, it. The love is a motivating factor, but love also is not just a theory. It's a practical, tangible situation. Uh, Ruben? I think that what you mentioned is beautiful and true. Um, the reality of Christ controlling us, but this word control uh, brings a lot of um, connotations, you know, and sometimes yes. control is not a good thing, but um, mm-hmm. it's, it's necessary for, for us to, to go and explain why the love of Christ controls us. It's, it's not a control that overrides your personality. It's not a control that um, doesn't let you be yourself. And we're going to talk about how God uh, loves you as you are. But uh, the, the reality of God creating us as his own image uh, with the capacity to imagine, to create, to choose, to love. And, and, and the, the, biggest, the biggest purpose that we have is to know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it shows a lot about his, his, his being. You know, he did not create us to, to join a, a religion. Oops. He did not. He did not create us to to perform. Mm. He did not create us to follow a set list of rules. He did not create us to deny us anything good. Our God is not like, oh, this is good, so you cannot experience it. You know, mm-hmm. no. He did not create us uh, to be anxious or 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 filled with pain and guilt. You know, we're gonna talk about why we experience that and why we feel that sometimes in, in a different episode. But Richard, I believe we talked about it last week because we had our, our walk or our conversation last week, last Monday. And we said, mm-hmm. how are we going to start this approach? And, and, and there was this debate uh, between us and we were com- conversing about it. Like, should we start about like what is sin? Like what is sin in our hearts? Or should we mm-hmm. start like, and, and, and then we, we came to that conclusion. Like we cannot talk about sin because that'll be us putting sin on the first place being sin conscious about the things yeah not talk about sin first this yes we'll talk about this in the future yeah because because that is not our operating way of doing things or being that is not our experience yes that is not if if we brought it up first it'd be like well what's going on well sin bad don't do yes Um, that is true but so there's also in our denomination um, and I think in scripture, in scripture, there's scriptural evidence for it being an important focus. This passage in Revelation, the 14th chapter, where there des- there's described in vision three angels coming in the last days in response to what the devil's doing um, with beasts and powers and in his plans, that God is sending three messengers mm-hmm. to share a message that will be a warning of protection. But before there's a warning, two warnings discussing what the beast is doing and how dangerous that is and to beware, it starts first. The first message, first message first, is an angel carrying the gospel and calling people to respond to it. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to follow that example. First things first. Being saved isn't not being in hell. (laughs) And salvation and being holy isn't not sinning. 
Yep. And that's why we're talking about love like this. That's why we're doing this because we need to put first things first. Otherwise, we're not really going to, we're not going to be, and the, I really should have used the ESV for that first because it, I believe the ESV and other versions say the love of Christ compels. Compels. It's a motivating factor. So yeah. if you just say, there's danger, you know, without the proper training and background, you're not going to be able to do well. We don't, even militaries do training um, of their soldiers so they can respond properly to danger instead of just throwing them into it. And likewise, being versed in God's love is our compel, is our training, is our background, is our boot camp for living abundantly mm. when tempted and sin, living abundantly, going through the hard times, going through the end time trials that are going to be coming soon. Um, so first things first. <laughs> yeah. And first, uh, first things first, as you were mentioning, the God, uh, the, the God of love, it, God it has, it's not that he has love. He is love. Mm-hmm. His love is, is unconditional. That's what is God's love is unconditional. It's not based in your performance. You just listen to this, your performance, the way how you react, how you do things, your past, your struggles don't affect the love that God has for you. Because, this is important, because love is not something that God does. Love is something that who God is, hmm. you know? And because of who he is, he does. He, yes, of course, of course, of course. Yes. Good but point. That, that's an important order. Like no, it, it's, it's who he is. It's not something he does. Yes. It, it, it's not a performance Solely. for him. Lo- yeah. Loving is not a performance for him, but it overflows through his doings mm-hmm. or his um, interactions with, with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it is his nature to love because he is love and he exudes love. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. that's a, that'll be the word, uh, I guess. And he keeps on loving us no matter what our behavior is because that is what God nature is. So when you hear that, yes. and 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 sometimes with my previous um my previous um I guess uh, ways of thinking, and I guess you you resonate with that too. What what do you hear? What what do you used to hear when when you say like God loves you no matter what you do or who you are? Yeah, God. So it's like he'll, yes, he's patient and gives a knowing smile towards me in my sin. Um, because I'll 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 figure it out and get better and fix it. Mm, mm, exactly. Like he, he his love is just. So that will um, fix it, you know? Yeah, we need to fix something, right? Like, oh, we'll let that girl come to church in a crop top a few times with a loving smile. Mm. But then she's going to get a very aggressive talk the sixth time. You know, mm. um, a lot of churches, it's that that loving smile is for five minutes. Um <laughs> Is that until you get it right, you know? Right now you're not getting yeah. it right, but and but God still loves you, but you know, like you'll get into a better understanding and, and kind of we give the idea that he'll love you more at the moment that you're gonna stop doing this or start doing that. You know, there mm-hmm. was a moment in one of my churches in my previous assignments, I'm not gonna say where, um, that this uh, elder told me, you know, uh, pastor, this this woman, I give, I'm giving her Bible studies, and she's still wearing her earrings. 
Uh, she got mm-hmm. baptized and she's still wearing her earrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, God loves her so much that 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 uh, that she doesn't um, that, that that she loves her as she is. But as she'll grow in her in her in her knowledge, she will stop doing those things. You know, like just a side note: Seven Day Adventism traditionally advocates uh, against uh, like um, jewelry. Uh, I say traditionally, it's part of one, yeah, the, the tradition that we have. But it, the, the point was not necessarily this issue. The point was like the way that this elder was bringing it up to me was like, she is not getting it there yet, but God still is merciful slash loving. And she's going to let this one slide, but there's going to be a point where she needs to get straight, get it, get it perfectly done. Like she needs to uh, be okay and, and be in line, fall in line. Yeah, it, it, and I've heard it expressed too that God loves us. And I think like the framing biblically of while we were yet sinners, you know, that there's no merit attached. And sometimes it can be applied that God loves us because of assumed future merit when that's not it at all. Um, so let's let's talk about what is God's love? So the love is, we know the role of love, and in a little bit we'll talk about the fruit of love, uh, oneness, but what is his love? Well, first of all, it's clearly unconditional. It's not this, oh, he he loves her because she's so messed up, like a bless her heart situation. Mm. He loves us. Southern bless her heart situation. Bless her heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, are you getting that more or less in Texas? Maybe a little less, bit more? Less, 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 less. Less, bless your heart? Yes. Maybe you're in such an urban setting, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I I got, I heard more bless your hearts where I was. It was a little more rural um, <laughs> than I'm hearing now. Um, Lots of transplanted Yankees. Anyway, here. But that being said, yeah, let's talk, talk about the unconditional. Do you think we've covered that unconditional aspect more, that that God loves us. And there is an extent to which as covered by John Peckham, that the more we draw in closeness with God, the more the love relationships grows because his love does respond to us, right? There is a growth of relationship that occurs, Mm. but God's desire for that relationship and compassion for us is not built by merit. Yes. Instead, that growth of intimacy um, is not meritorious but instead built by response and time yeah. that God, though eternal is not untouched by our, um, by our acts of love. Yes. Um, he's not untouched by our affections. He is pleased. And there is a, there is a reciprocity that grows in his relationship because it's, we can have with him a real relationship and the relationship he has is a real relationship. Like when in John 17, when Jesus is talking about his relationship with the father and son, it's clearly a relationship on a different caliber than what we have. Yes. Even though he doesn't love us conditionally, he can still be closer to the father and son, uh, father and spirit because of the eternal reciprocity and reciprocity is a give and take a, a, a double side relationship because it's been happening. Um, for so long, it's on a different level than we now are. But God's desire, as Jesus prays, is that we would have that same thing together as they already have. Mm-hmm. Like, so 
I hope I'm not getting too much in the weeds here, Ruben. No, no. I, I think I think it's right. And to wrap this first part, because you you, you mentioned and I mentioned that uh, there's two big concepts that we're going to talk about that go hand in hand. Just to wrap this up, um, there, there is just this statement that says God loves you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the times we say God loves you, but, you know, and we do and say whatever we we add something so if god loves you but you know god loves you but he doesn't want to leave you there or god loves you but this whatever we put after the but mm-hmm. we try we we try to limit the scope and the the way and 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 the reach of god's love thankfully god says i love you there's no but. Mm-hmm. There is no but. Just listen to this right now. You're listening. I don't know what you're doing. There is no but. In the Bible, God's love is unconditional. None, not affected by your external behavior. It is there, present. We're going to talk about it. How, in the way, how it interacts with our reality of our experience. But on his side, just just to be sure once again is god loves you no but but you need to change but you but but you're not enough but you keep messing up no no just forget that for a moment and just re- remember god is love which is the connection of the second part the oneness part which is uh, what you also mentioned here in, in our outline uh, rich is the fruit of love you know mm-hmm. love does not exist in a vacuum uh, you want to give it a go? Yeah. So the there instead of having a but perspective of he loves you, but like the love will leave if you don't. The love is there for you, period. But and <laughs> and <laughs> oh boy, and this love as it's as we're experiencing it through. So it, so if you're not feeling a compel, right? you're not getting the love yet. Does that, does that make sense, Ruben? So mm. if, if a seed is watered and the right conditions, conditions present, it will grow. Mm-hmm. Period. Jesus taught on that. Jesus taught on that. It will grow. So if we're not growing, we must ask, is this love we're experiencing or is this manipulation? talked with a gal at the comic book store in my old town and she talked about faith and things like that and she expressed some ideas about the origin of scripture and things like that that she eventually came to but one of the main oppositions she gave was this this perspective that mom would say well you got to come to church with me on sunday so you don't go to hell i do you don't want to burn in hell i love you so much i don't want you to burn in hell <laughs> for forever eternally conscious and, you know, I could have been said, well, hey, it's okay. My version of hell or the Bible's version of hell really um, is not forever. <laughs> You'll only burn for a little. Mm, Welcome to just church a now. Bit. That, that yeah. doesn't fix it. Yeah. You can have some right teaching in there, but without that proper, what's fear of hell does not compel properly. Yeah. No, or, it will compel you to do something. Or selfishly think about uh, like, okay, I got to suffer here, but I have my eternal vacations in heaven. You know, that's also not the yes. goal either. You know, Yes. That 
well, you know, I'm not going to church so I don't go to hell. I'm going to church so I do go to heaven. Yeah. Because yeah. heaven is not hell. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, if we could reword yeah. it, but that's still base understanding of not the bad place, please. You know, some call it fire insurance. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I've done a shorthand before and confused people. It's like, yeah, salvation isn't about fire insurance. And they're like, yeah, we know. We never. And I was like, oh, hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, salvation yeah. isn't just go to heaven, not hell. No, yeah. it's about being one. We talked about how the Father in John 17, it shows us that the Father, Son, and Spirit have always been, and they've been in an eternal close relationship. Particularly, it points out that they were in a deeply close relationship and that we are not yet at that level of intimacy, but that God desires that we would be in that level of intimacy. He isn't saying, I desire that I'll love them more. He's saying, I desire for us to be closer. And when you are closer, there is a deeper connection. So it's not merit, but it's oneness. God is desiring for our oneness to increase, that we have a oneness together and with them. So, Heaven isn't streets of gold. Instead, heaven united, heaven earth united will be us together with the Father. Mm -hmm. Let's stop looking at heaven as streets of gold and start looking at it as with the Father. In John and other gospels, heaven is referred to as with the Father. Oneness, connection, closeness. Um, so it's oneness as an experience of intimacy. Well, let's define it. What's I've, I've alluded, I've made some theological connections. Ruben, can you define let's, oneness for us uh, a little more? But I, I love what you mentioned. Okay, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. John 17, three says, Jesus says, now this is eternal life that they may know you, mm. the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, the eternal life starts today when yes, you sir. get to know God. You have this oneness experience yes. with Him. Mm-hmm. That is heaven. That is eternal yes. life. I like. I always like to say, eternal life starts today, because if it's eternal, in 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 the it starts today. It's not going to start in a future. Oh, now it's eternal. No, eternal life starts today when you experience and that's the i think that's a key word rich uh because you a few a few minutes ago you asked is is, the, is this love what we're experiencing like uh maybe we're not experiencing the the love of god in our fullness yes maybe our experience because that's the key word our experience mm-hmm. is not the one of someone that loves or not loves god but our, our identity never change once mm. you accept god yes. as your savior your identity stays there and and it's gonna be there because you're a son, always a son. Now in your God's experience eyes. in God's eyes. Now in your eyes, you choose to have a different experience. You choose to live with scarcity. You choose to to sometimes uh, uh, believe the lies of Satan. You, you choose that. Okay, that that is your choice of experience. God is not going to take that away from you. He's not going to take away your personality. And let's face it, today he's, uh, he's with you as you are. And and the difference that we have between the Eastern religions and, 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 we, and what we see in the Bible is that in Eastern religions, in order to become one with the divine, you lose your personality. You know, you then just help me out. Like New Age, I think uh, uh, Hinduism, I think uh, many, many, uh, many Eastern religions 
have a purpose to become one with the divine, right? You are yes. sin. You are yes, sin. The, 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 um, and I could be, again, if this is not fair, please let us know. The idea I would perhaps describe it as a dissolution of self. Mm-hmm. The ego is gone. And so by being one with all, I am no longer me. I am us. I am everything, you know, like and, and, that's, well, it, that's the idea. If that's your goal in life, you that are listening and that's okay. Do you want to choose to experience that? That's okay. But I do Fine. believe, I do, I do believe that, uh, that a, a loving God respects our personalities. That's what I, I demarked my, ter- I mark my territory. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel that the infinite loving, infinitely happy God chose to create me with this personality and he's not going to get rid of it when I become one with him, you know? Yes. There are parts of me that should dissolve and no longer be, yeah. right? And that's, we call that sin, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and we're going to deal with that. And, and it's not about the, the, yes. the things that we should stop. We should stop doing because there's no way we can fix that ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just that we're united with God. And, uh, and when that happens, now that I'm answering a question that you asked minutes ago. Uh, yes, yes. Oneness is... What is when, oneness? What is oneness? One is, is when we are united with God, when his life is infused into us, he comes to live in our spirits. And he is the one, when we have this, uh, this uh, experience of oneness, he's the one that brings into our heart, love, peace, joy, and the rest of so everything that is good in our hearts is the part of oneness when he is with us and when he is with us our identity also is affirmed as sons and daughters and we know what we were created for i like mugs do you like mugs i used to have many i had to get rid of some but i like them that's moving i love my mugs we have some good mugs um, different things on them and they're great, but we don't walk around the house just having empty mugs and just like in our hands, like, yeah, this is the best. Like our, our mugs really exist as containers, um, for good stuff. But when that good, so when that good stuff is in there, the mugs as containers find their purpose. Right. But when that happens, the mug does not dissolve and simply become the juice or the apple cider or the tea or, you know, or the water. That's the container is just a container Mm. as awesome as it is, but it continues to be the container and really fulfills his purpose. Um, I was reading a book you had recommended to me and that container metaphor spoke to me. Yeah. You're a container of me, that book says. And, and mm-hmm. if you want to read it, it's a beautiful book. I've been suggested to it by a friend. It says, if Jesus loves me, why this is, why isn't this working? Sorry, I always get that question wrong. But the, the title is, if Jesus loves me, why isn't this working? I find, I find it a beautiful uh, reflection book. Yep. Yeah, it does take, the, uh, it does take the, the tone and mode of speech of proclaiming the teachings as like from Jesus or God's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at, at times in pieces, it can be helpful to have a summarization of scripture be brought to you in that way so that mm-hmm. you can 
mm-hmm. hear Jesus in your language, which is part of the point of scripture, but at the same time. So I, I think it's, I, I just quoted it. It's been very helpful for me. I'm glad mm-hmm. recommended it to me, but mm-hmm. I do take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, oh, as, as, of, as with everything, as with everything. Yeah. yeah. I, when, when that happens, I add a few grain, more grains, but it's been good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's another part of oneness, the one who explains what it is, that what involves oneness, you know, how, how do you see oneness, uh, you united with the loving God in your heart, you know, and that, uh, that also connects with why, why is God connecting with you, you know, and that is the point that oneness is communal. It's a community experience rather than, uh, it's just about me. Yes. Like um, many perceive, for example, there's Enoch or Enoch in scripture and Enoch, um, the scriptures say that he was so close to God, God took him to be with him. Right. And unfortunately the way I've heard that presented sometimes is that, you know, he just was not of the world and he was so separated from the world and close with God that God said, you don't belong here and took him with and People like, I want to do that today. I want to do that today. And unfortunately, with the emphasis can be this thing where it's like, leave me alone, other people. Leave me alone, church. I'm trying to get close to God so I can go to heaven now, now, now for me. And for, and I'm sure people have shared that, not with those negative emphases. But I think what we can get twisted is that some commentary shares that Enoch, he, was, he would have his time with God separate, a lot of it. But he would also in his days, go into the city, go into the towns and live love with others. So unity with God is unity with others too. Yes. Yes. It's not a series of one person chapters of we love God club, but it's us growing together that if we do have that love, we're going to be connected with others as well. Um, I've heard it said that you love God as much as you love the person you love the least. Hmm. Um, I'd hope I didn't cut you off there, Ruben. I'm a no, no, you Kathy were. This no, morning. I actually was uh, motioning like you keep going because that was good. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> For once. No, no. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Oh, come on. Uh, uh, but, but I just said, yeah, um, society usually tends to uh, turn inwards, uh, um, but the oneness of God uh controls us, quote unquote, as the use the verse, uh, to be pushed outward. Like the love that we experience is not our the love for us to keep ourselves. The love that we experience is the love that we get to also live with others. It is not only your God, it is our God. It is the God of everyone. It's a God of all humanity. Um just it's it, it's not that Christianity is like a it's the only uh, way, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really careful trying to, to explain this with words. You know, it's not Christianity is not the only way to get to God. You know, in in the, in the sense of the tenets and beliefs, God, God is bigger than any kind of container that we put Him into. Um, at the same time, we have to believe that this oneness is a community experience. You know, like and, yes. and in community communities exist in in some sort of containers. You know, like, but. It's not my experience and it's not on my place to judge which container is the best container because I don't think 
I don't think there's like a best container or worst container. We said like, okay, which experience of Christianity is actually the one that gives you oneness with God? Is it X, Y, or Z? And I say, yes. You know, like there's no way for you to judge that. And we, of course, have this traditional conception of Christianity. And, and most people tend to lean towards that. But I feel that not allowing um, opportunities for other communities to to grow and, and to experience God in, in the way that they are communing with him and, and, and God is being, is there, is present. And I think it's unfair, man. It's unfair to, to say, oh, oh, God is only present in Seventh-day Adventist church or God is only present in this conference, in this church, because even, even in our denomination, um, we do have the vision. Yes. So it's not like the denomination itself is the best. No, like even the way that how you understand our denomination um, is so different depending of where you're where you're born, and even if it's mm -hmm. so different, it varies from person to person. Yeah. So it it is not about your reality of Christianism or your denomination, uh, and you are not to disqualify others or other communities and other efforts as well. I don't feel that. Nothing good comes out of criticizing or, or judging something that you actually cannot measure, which is, um, I mean, you can measure by the fruits, you'll know them, but even that is like the biggest fruit is love, you know, and if you don't have love and you aren't judging, you, are, you yourself are with the big, uh, big piece of wood in your, in your eye, you know, when maybe a splinter in your neighbor. Yeah. Reach it. So oneness with God is, again, reflected in are we living in a way that brings oneness together? Because back to John 17, again, that's what Jesus is asking, not just that we be that close with him as he is with the Father and Spirit, but that we'd be that close with each other, not as an optional thing, but this is the fruit. This is what happens when we aren't really experiencing that love. And if we're not doing that, we're not getting that fuller abundance. It's we're not experiencing that, it. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, and that's sad. It's a sad thing. And because God loves, it's not, I love you, but, but because he loves, he's saying, come and get it. Cause I love you. And you're going to be live more abundantly as I designed you to, when you're able to work out this thing with your cousin, work out this thing with your pastor, work out this thing with your father, work out this thing with your wife instead of just not talking about it. Um, right? Yeah. And, and and it's about remember who you are. Remember who you are. There's moments where you disconnect yourself from your identity. Yes. Um, and it, and it, that it's been always present that the, your father's house has been always a place where you can go. Uh, it's It's been always there. We choose to experience being out of the house, you know? Yes, when we know we're in the home of our Father, when we know we have his ring of authority on our hand, when we know that he has provided for us, when that is on us, when the when we are aware of how much debt we've been forgiven, and when we are realize who we are and that the other person is as well, it won't make conflict perfectly non-existent, but it will radically transform how we approach this conflict. It will radically transform how we handle situations. Yeah. Um, the Christian response to conflict is not let them have whatever they want mm -hmm. because love. No, mm -hmm. instead the abundance will help us be more gracious naturally. Not yes. just as a way to avoid fire, but 
naturally and truly, the affection, the eternal motivation will change things for the better. Yeah. It will compel us. It will transform us and we'll have a whole new different. So this, this idea of love and freedom, it's not something to boom switch. It's a Ruben, you mentioned is something that we won't come back from. It's that as we sort through what life means now that we have this identity that we're either accepting or denying that. And as we're processing how we think and live, it's, it's changing and it's a constant framework of it's like, as we live life, it's like, don't think of a pink cow. Like the pink cow of God's love is always there. We're either accepting or rejecting it or processing through what that means and how we resolve conflict, what that means when there's a, uh, someone who was a sexual predator as a pastor that is now, uh, doing some ministry stuff informally and, these conversations are conversations we have in freedom and we don't say, Oh, we don't have to talk about it because we're free. No, no, no. Because we're free. It creates a proper framework to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess a more understanding way of dealing with, um, with others yeah, um, and being more gracious with others. Yes, I, I do. I do agree with that. And, I guess my moment of clarity, because I guess we also need to wrap up this conversation. Um, is you, know, the, you know, I love to talk with you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. If um, it's too much listeners, we love you too. So let's, because we love, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the part of as is, you know, the part of as is, is important for me. The oneness. Let's talk about as is. Yeah. That is my moment of clarity. Yeah, my moment of clarity is to realize that, it's not about the things that we need to fix. It's not about uh, the, what is wrong with you, that you need to fix X, Y, and C things in order to, to present yourself to God. If you present yourself to God as you are, he is still, he is, no, he's not still. He is willing and he provides for this experience of new reality for you. Like sometimes we think that we need to fix ourselves and then, uh, sell it to the father. You know, like when I sold my house a year ago, um, uh, there were little things that needed to be fixed in order to, to have a good price for, uh, appraisal, you know, and there were some, there were not a structural damages. I'm not disclosing anything. I'm not, <laughs> they, they, they were not bad, big bad things or just like cosmetic things that needed to be fixed in order for the house to be sold at a better price. So we, put some work into that, uh, some cabinets, fixing, painting some things and stuff, because we thought that that will give us a better uh, appraisal, a better uh, value for our home. And and sometimes we do the same thing with our Christian lives. You know, like we feel that we need to fix things ourselves. We feel that we need to, in order to be presented in our father in order to be he to look down on us and look like oh yeah this guy's putting the work it's it's, it's fixing this cosmetic things uh he will love us more but the oneness and the love of god as we mentioned mention it is not connected with the little things that you need to fix but let's face it that things that are being fixed in your life are done because Holy Spirit is living in your heart and is fused, infusing you with this uh, love and transformation and goodness. So for me, my moment of clarity is that the love and oneness are connected hand by hand. And 
and the love of God and the experience of oneness is an experience of as is. So today, if you're listening, you think you need to fix the little cosmetic imperfections that you have. Um, I'm not speaking about the physical imperfections. We all have those. I'm speaking about the, the, the deep things that we feel that we need to fix. Remember, the deal that God offers to you and the reality that God offers to you is an as is reality. As is experience. How about you, Rich? Sorry for the coughing. If you folks heard that, um, I take my medicine at a certain time and that time came, I started choking on the water. Um, <laughs> Big pill to swallow. Yes. <laughs> I am currently looking through John 17. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's been so essential to our conversation today. And I think, yeah, for me, that moment of clarity has been, because we didn't plan to do John 17. It just came to my mind as we're having this conversation. Um, May you not see love as a side belief, but may you see his love as your everything. May you see that God loves you as is, as was, as will be. Um, And may you grow in love and trust with him and with others. Starting now, may your eternity start today with him and others and how you're living and how you're being. Um, And just alluding to John 17, may you be one with him and one with each other as they are, are already one. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for me. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Rich. And thank you guys for listening. It's been a beautiful conversation. Remember that you can always connect with us here in Clarity. We love uh, the feedback, positive and potentially positive. (laughs) And thank you for giving us an opportunity of being part of your life for this episode. Please stay tuned for more. I'm Ruben. And I'm Rich. And this was Clarity, episode 34.